We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Welcome to the first ever live edition of the Budding Heads podcast. I am Steve Ribeiro. I'm here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, I'm excited not only because I'm not going to have to edit this podcast, but because the Rams got a huge Thursday night victory over the Minnesota Vikings, 38-31. to How are you feeling, man? Oh, man. How, how do you express this much excitement going into week five? 4-0, big win over the Vikings. We got to see Vanessa Hudgens sing the national anthem. All all around good night, man. <laughs> it was an absolutely awesome night, man. It was a 
fantastic game from start to finish. Luckily for us, the Rams began to pull away at the end of it, so that made it even better for us. But before we get into it, let's go ahead and give a shout-out to where you can find us. If you're listening at this very moment, you're listening to us on Spreaker, our new podcast host, and you can also find us in the classic spots, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, Player FM, and on iBeat Radio, Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. We're going to get into a little good, bad, and the ugly type thing, breaking down the three units of the Rams in that order. And But before we get into that, uh, Johnny, just give me your initial reaction to the, this kind of a statement victory over one of the – the record might not show up, but clearly one of the better teams in the conference. The, the Vikings are a very good team, and I think towards the end of the season, their record will show – Otherwise, right now, it's still very early in the season. There are a lot of teams that are going to turn things around, and I believe the Vikings are one of these teams. Defensively especially, it's just I think the Rams really put them to the test, especially with their offense. The offense looks incredible. This is looking like the best offense in the league right now. Defense had a little issues here and there, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. But, man, this this truly looks like the best offense that the Rams have had since the Greatest Show on Turf era. If not better, man, I'm not going to say it right now. I'm not going to go that far. But the fact that we could even, like, we're not going to do it on this podcast, but the fact that we could even, like, come in and have that debate and have it not be an absolute joke is pretty damn awesome, man. It's, it's a great thing for the Rams. It's a great thing for the city. It's a great thing for us fans, and there's obviously one big factor in this game that we're going to talk about, but first, we're going to throw a shout out to one of our sponsors real quick, and that is Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. Guys, I know we're all practically addicted to anything that has to do with the Rams, and if you want to learn more about the team with a bit of a history, the team's history with a bit of a personal touch, you got to check out this book. It's a story... It's a son's story of a father and the team he played for in the era, Glitz, Glamour, and future Hall of Famers. That man, of course, is John Hawk, Jim Hawk's dad, who played offensive line for the team from 1953 to 1957. And you're not also going to learn about Jim's dad, John, but you're going to hear about guys like Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Legs Hurch, Tom Fierce, and Les Richter in a story that's spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find this book at HollywoodSteam.com, and you can follow them on Twitter at HollywoodSteams. It's available in both hardback and and electronic form for our Kindle fans out there, Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. You can also find Hollywood Steam through various other booksellers on the internet. So probably wherever your local your books are sold. Everyone, this is a great book. It is worth any penny, every penny for any Rams fan out there. And it's just really a great story about a person's father, the legacy he left behind. Guys, trust me, you won't regret buying this book. It's Hollywood Steam, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It is worth your time. So we're going to start with the offense here and what was really a guy who is already, he made the Pro Bowl last year, but we could I think we could say this is his coming out game and that everyone knew Jared Goff was good. We all knew that. He's great, man. Some of those touchdowns he threw were incredible. He had 20, he went 26 for 33 with 465 yards, five touchdowns, ties the franchise record for most touchdowns in a game, no interceptions. No turnovers, sacked once. That's it, Johnny. Give me your initial reaction to this outstanding performance by Goff. Goff is incredible, man. He 
I, I'm kind of like you, man. I, I would say that we kind of knew he was going, he was going to be good going into the season, but this is the first time that I see Goff as not only, um, as not only a good quarterback, but I, I'd even argue that he may very well be the best quarterback in football next to Mahomes. Certainly the best quarterback in the NFC. I, I don't think that's too big of a stretch to say that. He he looked phenomenal out there. He looked like he's been doing this for years, you know, just floating the ball right into in between defenders and double coverage, hitting him right in the numbers. Cooper Cup, he, he couldn't not have a big game with this with with this quarterback. I mean, oh my God, I, I I'm still amazed, and I hope to continue to see this progression uh, as as the season goes on. And I think as long as everyone in the offensive line and Gotham self stays healthy, this is going to be an incredible offense with him leading the way. Yeah, I'm with you. Goff right now, he's fifth in yards per game behind, you know, you mentioned Pat Mahomes, and as silly as it sounds to say, the best quarterback in football right now might be Ryan Fitzpatrick, which is probably not true, but Goff, you know, Goff, Mahomes, Fitzpatrick, I think those have been the three most impressive quarterbacks this year. Breeze has been phenomenal. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers hasn't been. Brady hasn't been, but... Those are guys that we're not going to count out. Rodgers actually hasn't thrown a pick yet, so I don't want to throw him under the bus like that. Same with Breeze. But, man, it's crazy that we're putting Goff in this category with guys like this already. Guys like this. I just threw out Ryan Fitzpatrick, Rams legend. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, man, I mean, like, there were throws tonight where you, like, sitting there watching the game, it was just like most quarterbacks don't make that pass. Most of those touchdowns he made were ridiculous throws. He, the back end zone throw to the cup was out of this world. The first touchdown to cup was incredible. I mean, he hit Woods on a great pass. He hit Cooks on a couple great passes. His touchdown to Todd Gurley was a gimme, but still perfectly placed. You know, he's had game a couple games in the past where he missed some throws that were key, even this year, and even though none of them really mattered, but. He had none of that today, man. He, if they go as good as they think he we as good as we think they will be, he's going to be right there in the MVP conversation. And for a guy who was not, I know he was saddled on a bad offense his rookie year. And I know I agree with Derek when he says this is basically or the second year was basically his rookie year. But he still went from bad to good to great. That is the trajectory you hope you're quarterbacks go you, obviously you hope your rookie's good his first year it doesn't always work out like that Peyton Manning wasn't good his first year that's an example everyone points to Goff wasn't good his rookie year he was good last year but he still had things that we would have liked to see worked on and we mentioned that in previous podcasts and it's now he looks polished he looks poised he's making aggressive throws and he threw that interception of pat peterson in week two and that was an aggressive pass that we both said we're okay with and today he hit on all of his aggressive throws he hit on basically every pass he only missed seven and 465 yards five touchdowns when the rams traded up to draft him i went on the record and said no matter what less does for the rest of his tenure with the rams he will live and die by this trade and jared goff will be his legacy 
I gotta say, Johnny's legacy looks pretty damn good right now. Without a question. I mean, Goff is insane right now. I I I hope he can continue this route. It, and I, and honestly, considering the the schedule that's coming upwards, I don't know if there's really any team on the schedule that can really stop Goff until maybe the Green Bay Packers. Maybe I I, I don't know. I have a question mark there because the um, I, I mean the next opponent is the Seattle Seahawks, who are not the Legion of Boom anymore. And then, you know, you got other teams like the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I would say the next big biggest challenge would be the Green Bay Packers. Would you agree? In terms of against Goff, I, I think the Packers will be a bigger challenge as a team than Denver. But for the offense in particular, I think Denver will be a challenge. Now, I do think that our defense will handle their offense and that the game flow will work in our favor. But Denver's got a good defense, and that pass rush with Von Miller and Chubb, that, that'll be tough for the offense. Green Bay is the opposite. I think that game will be more like tonight. I think their defense doesn't scare me too much. It's not bad, but I think we'll be able to get our our work in. And But it'll be like tonight when the defense kind of let us down, and Aaron Rodgers is much better than Kirk Cousins. I think the Vikings have a better receiving core and a, a better running back who— we could get to that later with the Vikings running back situation. But yeah, I think Denver worries me a little. The Packers, the Saints, and the Chiefs, those will be shootout games. I, I don't – the Chiefs are probably going to be the best team we play during that run because their offense is like ours on fire. But I don't see a defense that actually intimidates me until when we go back-to-back back with the Bears and Eagles in weeks 15 and 16. So, I mean, sorry, 14 and 15. Read the schedule wrong here. The, we don't play a lot of elite defenses, and part of that is because we have one of them. We play some good offenses, and we might end up in more games like this, and we'll get to that, stuff like that when we get to the defense. But I'm feeling good about this offense going forward, and one one thing that we had to point out in the box score is the Rams basically play five skill players the whole game with the fifth one not really getting the ball and mixed up a little bit. Tonight we saw Everett and Higby, who we're talking about, got mixed up a little because of Higby's injury. But like these stats, Cooper Cup, nine receptions, 162 yards, two touchdowns. Brandon Cooks, seven receptions, 116 yards, and one touchdown. Robert Woods, five receptions, 101 yards, one touchdown. Gurley, four receptions, 73 yards, one touchdown. Before the season, I... Did a fantasy preview on here. I said I thought Cup would be the odd man out and that he'd play well on the field, but the fantasy numbers wouldn't be there because there's too many mouths to feed, and I will just take the L right now. Everyone gets fed, and Cup is the one leading the way. I mean, how is it possible that all four guys can play this incredible in one game? I don't have a bad thing to say about any of them. Well, you can't. There's there's no way. But this is why, you know, I think you might have heard it during the game that even some of the commentators were making comments about comparing this offense to the greatest show on turf. And I can't blame them. This is this is an offense that's really, really exciting to watch because 
like you said, there's a lot of mouths to feed, and Goff has the capability of throwing and making these spectacular plays. And it, it, it's very similar in a way that even down to the running back, you have a guy like Todd Gurley who can catch the ball out in the backfield. Does it sound familiar? It definitely sounds familiar, man. And you have the greatest show on tour for a little deep at receiver, but they really had two guys that tore it up. Our top two guys are not as good as those two, but our top three compete with their top three because this is a deep crew, man. And I didn't, I thought Cup was going to be kind of the same guy he was as his rookie year for most of his career. I'll take the L on that, man. I was wrong. He is growing no matter everything going against him. Small school, kind of old for his second year. Doesn't matter, man. This guy is a killer. He a great possession receiver. Proved tonight he can do it deep. Cooks pretty much the same way. He's a speedy guy. He can go under. He can go over. I mean, all three of these guys are so versatile. They can do so much. Cooks was running the ball tonight a lot. He had no, he wasn't running it a lot. I just remember one play where he got ten yards. So don't quote me on that. He ran it well on his one rush, but. These guys are all so versatile, and like you said with Gurley comparing him to Marshall Falk, an adept comparison. I mean, I, is it weird to say that he kind of quietly ran for 83 yards and he still finished with 73 receiving yards due in part to a, a big 56-yard reception? He caught another pass for a touchdown. I mean, man, these it's nice to have these guys on our side, man. It's It's been an incredible ride so far through four games with these guys. Well, he, he's not fighting for the extra yardage anymore. You know, th- this is a uh, defenses are so on their toes right now because if if they don't cover, you know, it, it's not like a Jeff Fisher offense. If they don't cover, you know, they're, they're screwed because then you have a J- Jared Goff touchdown. And if you don't stack the box with Todd Gurley, you, you get minimum five, five to nine yards there. So in, in, in essence, defenses are are scared because they can't they almost have to to play man which is isn't really that effective as we've seen in this game done if you blitz then the secondary might get torched by your receivers because the rams offensive line is really good and your blitzes might not get to the quarterback and goff has gotten a lot better and he'll get the ball out quick and our receivers are good and in man coverage unless you got Marcus Peters, Akeem Tlaib, and Nikki Robo- Nickel Roby Coleman, it might not work out for you against in man against these receivers. I mean, God, this it's pro- fair to say, I guess we'll give the Chiefs some credit. Top two offenses in the league, kind of no-brainer. Wait, 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 wait. Steve, Steve, can yes. you can you say that for me one more time the Rams- about the offensive line? They're they're incredible, man. They're unstoppable. Oh, I love it, man. I haven't heard that since, <laughs> what, the greatest show on turf? Uh, and I feel like our buddy heads, we always bring out how nice it is to say things like, our defense is really good, we're so confident in our receivers, our offensive line is great, but we deserve it, man. It was a rough 13 years of bad Rams football. We saw terrible offensive linemen get drafted. We saw terrible offensive linemen ruin Mark Bulger's career. We finally get a quarterback who's pretty good. Our offensive line continues to ruin his career by not protecting him and Sam Bradford. 
we get Jared Goff. Our offensive line tries to ruin his career, but luckily we bring in Big Wit, we bring in Sean McVay, and magically we have a good offensive line. It's crazy when you actually sign good linemen. Man, it's <laughs> it is a thing of beauty, man. And yeah. Um but anyways, would you would you agree we're probably the best offense in the league at worst second? And no disrespect to Tampa Bay. I'm not going to put them in the conversation because they have absolutely no running game whatsoever. Somehow they're throwing these passes and completing these passes with Fitzpatrick and no running game. So props to them. But I think it's us and the Chiefs at the top. And right now I wouldn't say it's particularly close. Not not at all. I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have had an impressive couple of weeks. And most of it, as you said, has gone through the passing game. But you really can't compare them to either the Chiefs or the Rams. It, there just isn't a comparison, at least you know from what we've seen in the first four weeks. And I, I'd even argue that at some point they're going to fizzle out because that's what what it always seems to happen with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, even with uh, guys like Mike Evans, he has these incredible performances. And then he has weeks where he goes quiet. And I'm just waiting for those weeks to happen. Uh, I kind of hope it doesn't because Mike Evans is on my fantasy team. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I'm kind of waiting for it because it just always seems to happen with him. And, you know, props to Fitzpatrick because, you know, I do do respect the guy. You know, he was a backup for the Rams for a little bit. Uh, But, yeah, I, I, I am looking forward to seeing what they do. You know, beyond uh, beyond the first half of the season, I don't think they're going to be able to keep it up. But that's just my opinion. We'll see. I I won't say that they will turn into a bad offense because that's unfair. But Fitzpatrick's on pace to throw for six thousand yards plus, like plus <laughs> by a decent margin. He's not going to do that. Okay, it's not going to happen. He um he's on pace for over fifty five touchdowns. Probably not going to happen either. I could see him keeping the job, having a good year, getting that team to the playoffs. But I, without a running game, they're going to hit some walls some games. And looking at the top offenses statistically, we got to throw some love out there for the Steelers and the Saints. I didn't mention them. They deserve to be in this conversation. I think that would be the clear top five right now, which Tampa Bay in there is insane. But, yeah, man, it's – God, it was awesome to watch that offense tonight. You got any final thoughts on the offense before we get to the D? Just uh, I can it can it be next Sunday already? Not even this upcoming Sunday, but the following Sunday because I want to see the Rams' offense torch the Seattle Seahawks' defense. I want to see the look of pure frustration on Carroll's face. <laughs> I just I I, I want to see it. That defense is going to get torched, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Before, before the season, I picked the Seahawks to win this game just because I thought they had too much pride to lose it. There's absolutely no way they're going to win that game. Uh, I will take gladly be wrong about that. And yeah, it's it's going to be a long what ten days until the next game, but it'll be worth the wait to see um, the crushing of the Seahawks part two in Seattle. Let's get to the defense. Before that, we're going to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor at the Golden Ram Barbershop. 
the man who owns a Sal Martinez, I know, is a very happy camper tonight because he is a diehard Rams fan. And if you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and you like an old-school barbershop experience, you have to check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Zip code on that is 92683. Our friend Sal opened his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day they left for St. Louis, kept kept the light on ever since, kept the Rams' blood flowing through the city, and they came back to him. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS. That's 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows he's getting a knowledgeable Rams fan. He knows who sent you, and he's going to give you a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., and Saturday from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Once again, guys, that's the Golden Rams Barbershop, and it is worth a visit not only to look at all the Rams memorabilia he's got. It's basically a museum. He also provides that old-school barbershop experience, and he'll talk Rams football with you and everything else. Trust me, guys, that's an experience you won't regret. The defense gave up 31 points. The Rams didn't have a turnover in this game. That was all them. Johnny, how do you feel about the Rams' defense after this one? Well, they were for surely feeling the loss of Aqib Tlaib. There was just no doubt about it. Not that Sam Shields didn't have, you know, certain good plays here and there. And, you know, you got Nickel Robin Coleman going in there as well. But you could tell that it just wasn't the same. It wasn't the same dominance that we had seen the first three games. I'm not really too upset or too concerned just because it's it's not as though the Vikings aren't that good of a team. You know, this is a very talented offense. Kirk Cousins, I said at the beginning of the season I didn't have a lot of faith in this guy, but he's proven me wrong. I mean, this this is one of the top quarterbacks in the league right now, and he's proving it. You know, talented wide receivers and Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, who continues to surprise me and, and the rest of the league. You know, th- this is an entirely good offense, and I think – you know, once Dalvin Cook is is fully healthy, I, I could tell he wasn't a hundred percent going out there. But once he's fully healthy, I think this could be an even more dangerous offense. So I I'm not that upset about the thirty one points and I'm not that concerned, but it is still a concern considering that this is kind of a depleted a slightly depleted secondary. Peters, while he was out there, I could tell wasn't 100% either. And then, of course, you know, linebacker continues to get thinner and thinner when uh, Wilson went out for a little bit. We ha- we have to hope that uh, Ray McWilson is, is okay. Yeah, we, we definitely need Wilson. We could definitely use our friend Mark Barron back. Um, tight ends when the linebackers are guarding him, not great. John Johnson, to his credit, has done a great job whenever he gets put on him, but Kyle Rudolph, five receptions for 57 yards. Uh, any fantasy owners who own Kyle Rudolph know he normally gets like 30 in a touchdown. And he he was plotting for some yards out there. And that's, that's what happens when you know, have a guy like Barron who his biggest strength is probably in the pass coverage as a former safety. But I, I'm with you, man, and probably even more so. The Vikings are good. And I I was working the game on Twitter tonight at Talk Rams. A lot of people before the game were like, not scared of this team, man. It's it's a team that got crushed by the Bills last week, couldn't do anything. Bad games happen, man. They haven't happened for us in a while somehow, but they happen. That's the outlier on the Vikings. That's not the story of the Vikings. 
Kirk Cousins, he's inconsistent, but when he's on, he's on 36 for 50 with 422 yards and three touchdowns. No picks for him. Took a couple sacks. Credit to the Rams pass rush on that. He also ran for 28 yards. Okay. Um, and then, like you mentioned, Thielen and Diggs, those are two really, really solid players. And when you're looking at just overall one-two punches at receiver, probably going to be the best we play all year. Now, the best – Michael Thomas is probably going to be the receiver we end up facing. We already played Keenan Allen. But in terms of one-two punches, they're not going to get better than Thielen and Diggs. Those are two studs, two Pro Bowl-level guys. Uh, Thielen crushed us last year. He crushed us again today. Eight receptions, 135 yards, and a touchdown. Diggs went 11 for 123. When you don't have Tlaib and when you don't have a fully healthy Peters, which the fact that he played this week and given the rest, we're going to have an extended week off. I think he'll be back to his normal self against Seattle, which will will be great to have, assuming they're probably going to get Doug Baldwin back. The Tlaib thing will be tough, but... I'm not super worried because we won't be going against a wide receiver too, like Thielen or Diggs, whoever we want to consider. I know we switch around the coverage on both of them. When we play guys like Michael Thomas, guys like Alshon Jeffrey, Allen Robinson, uh, probably shouldn't be in that class, but whatever, you know. uh, Oh, and I'm sorry, the Chiefs will be a pretty tough team to cover too, but like. We're going to have Peters on the top guy. Devontae Adams, another example. Um, Emmanuel Sanders. If you got Peters locking down the one, I think, and I need to see more from Sam Shields. He did make a nice play there, uh, deflecting that pass away from Diggs. I need to see a little more from Nicky Roby Coleman. Maybe, maybe, Johnny, I might need to see a little Troy Hill. Just a little bit. But I'm not super worried. I think in the second half, they only gave up 11 points, gave one touchdown. I feel fine about the defense moving forward. It'll be a little tough when we play those tough teams like Green Bay and New Orleans and Kansas City. And hopefully we have to lead back by the Eagles late in the season. But I I think we'll be okay. I think we're going to be okay. And I <sighs> – go ahead. You, you said Hill and – Oh my heart! <laughs> um, no, no, no offense to uh, Hill, but uh, considering that you know we were talking about quite possibly the best corner tandem in in the NFL, and then now we have to think about bringing Hill into the conversation now that Talib is quite possibly out for the season. This is this is a this is definitely something to consider. I think you're right. As long as Peter stays healthy, this should be fine. But again, you're you're looking at your backups, and while I do have a lot of faith in Coleman, I think it's just you you have to realize that Col- Coleman was a starter, and for him to kind of go backwards onto you know situational plays, uh, it was kind of a step backward for him. So him adjusting into a potential starting role is going to take some time. And then Sam Shields looked a little bit better than I was expecting, especially covering a guy like Stefan Diggs. That That's no easy task for the best cornerback in the league. When you're talking about one of the oldest corners in the league going up against him, and that's, that's saying something. That's saying a lot. 
So I, I was happy with uh, with the the coverage that I saw from Shields. It wasn't the best, obviously, but all things considered, he, he didn't do that bad. So, again, as long as Peter stays healthy and the rest of the cornerback depth, um, I think the defense should be fine at the end of it all. I think they will, and I think getting Mark Barron back will be a nice little spark that the team could use. Um, and, yeah, I think Shields, he played – all right, for the most part, it was obviously his first start in a long time, and like for that reason, that's why I mentioned I'd like to see a little bit of Troy Hill mixed in there, just just to kind of spell Shields every now and then. I don't think, given his circumstances, he should be out there every single down. And tonight it was a big game, so all right, fine. But I would just like to see him get a break. But we do need to mention a guy we haven't mentioned yet. John Franklin Myers was the man who <laughs> sealed the deal at the end of the game with a fumble. I, I know you've been high on him. You ready to take your victory lap? Oh, big time. Can, can I can I start now? You know, do a little bit of a ram dance on the way out? Because, <laughs> of course. man, this, this was incredible. I mean, this is the exact type of play that a young stud needs to make, especially on on a star-studded defensive line. This may very well have earned him some more playing time, um, you know, maybe get him some more rotations here and there, you know, get some uh, have uh, have Donald and, and uh, Sue, you know, take a breather here and there to get him in there because, man, he he got it where it counted. And, and I, I hope to see more of this from uh, John Franklin Myers in the future. I, I, I am very high on this guy. And I think as long as he continues to be a student of the game. I have a lot, every faith in this guy to be, you know, a stud in the future. Yeah, somebody, and I'm sorry, man, I don't remember who said this to me on Twitter from the Rams account, said he looked a little bit like another 94 on that play that we used to have, our man Robert Quinn. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I really like what we saw there. Uh, This is Philip England at at Philly Poo (laughs) on Twitter. That's that threw that out i'll give him props but yeah john franklin myers i really like that play and you mentioned the big boys aaron donald who he's had a, aaron donald no sex is just deserve the money if you first of all if you say that you're ignorant okay like aaron donald's effect isn't in the stat sheet usually we, we've known this he's his numbers aren't mvp numbers but he's been in mvp talks and tonight he grabbed two sacks so Happy for Aaron Donald. Those people can finally stop with that. Adamican Sue got a huge sack. Nice pass deflection. And all three of those hogs up front, man. Michael Brockers had a good game too. Very good to see them. And I'll give a quick shout-out too to Marquis Christian. Not a perfect day for him, but he's being asked to do things he probably did not expect to be asked to when he made the team. And six tackles, five solo. I'm okay with it, man. It was nice to see him out there. You got any parting thoughts on the D before we, we hit the uh, – We've hit the good, we hit the bag, we're going to have to de- hit the ugly next. Whew, okay. Um, before we hit the ugly, I, I have to agree with you, man, um, on, on Christian. He, he has actually stepped up, not just in this game, but in previous games as well. He hasn't been perfect, obviously, like you said, but this is a guy that, you know, is good to have, you know, and, and who knows, maybe with a, a bit of coaching from, from Wade Phillips, he might make an even bigger impact than we might initially think. 
I have a lot of faith in this guy too as as a backup role. Why not? I agree, man. Uh, he he looked good. He's filling in for Talib and Mark Barron. Uh, so when when Barron comes back, he might see a snap count back a little bit. But man, I'm happy to have him. He's a good reserve, and I like what we've seen. All right. Uh, before we get to the ugly, and I promise, guys, last ad. But it's we love our sponsors, man. We love our family that come out and throw support to the podcast and you should go support them if you're out there and especially if you own or want a pool because there's never a bad time to take care of your pool out there in southern california if you need to remodel resurface or even put in a new pool check out jayhawk pool plastering remodeling at 4780 east wesley avenue in anaheim california jayhawk pool plastering and remodeling serves orange county in the southland is run by jayhawk the eldest son of former ram john hawk he built his business on a mantra of fantastic results and great customer service. If you don't believe me, check out his website at jayhawkpools.com. Look at the quality finishes, look at their work, and look at the testimonies that satisfied customers have provided to him. If you need to remodel, resurface, or even put in a new pool, give Jayhawk a call at 714-695-0700. A visit to Jay's shop is worth it not only for I'm getting my ads mixed up, Jesus. You can give Jayhawk Pool Plastering Model a call at 714-694-0700. You can email him at info at jayhawkpools.com. Guys, we mean this. this is a great opportunity to support a member of the Ramley and a member of this podcast family, a member of the Rams Talk community, and we love all you guys. We love Jay. So if you live out there, you want to get your pool fixed, you want to get a new one, give Jayhawk Pool Plastering and Remodeling a call one more time, 714-695-0700. You'll be glad you did. Uh, little ugly ad read, but speaking of ugly, we got to talk about the special teams here, and I- I'm not sure where to start because these two plays kind of go hand in hand. We're missing Greg Zerline. Our kicker, we clearly don't have a lot of confidence in him because when we're in position to give him a chance at a deep kick, we decide to run a fake punt in which... I'm just going to give my thoughts on the play because I can't, like, set this up without saying it. Okay. Hecker throws a, a beautiful freaking pass. I'm not I'm not going to sugarcoat things. He threw a ridiculously good 50-yard ball for a punter. And I don't think Josh Reynolds made a good play on that ball at all. It was to the left of him, but he's next to the ball. He didn't really try and make an effort to go get it. He He didn't put himself in the position to go get it. Now you're running a deep ball. You gotta adjust for that. This is a guy who opportunities are scarce for him, and when you get a play like that, it's not encouraging for him to be out of position and not really make much of an effort to go get that ball. I mean, I know at the last second he might not be able to see it, but he could have been in a better position to get that. Um, before we talk about whether we should have called the play, I want to hear your thoughts on the play. You know, considering Ficken's uh, his uh, performance of recent, um, yeah, I, I I don't disagree with this call at all. I, I I like the fact that Sean McVay is kind of a ballsy coach. You know, he he isn't afraid to go for it on fourth down. He knows what he has in a guy like Johnny Hecker who has a decent arm. You know. You you have guys like Steve here who will argue that he has a better arm than Sean uh, Sean Mannion. <laughs> Sean so, Mannion's not making that pass, guys. He's not. That <laughs> pass is 
That would have been a better punt because it would have gotten intercepted and underthrown. <laughs> yeah, Steve was uh, actually texting me that during the game, and I was like, I was like, damn it, Steve, you, you can't even give it a break then. I put that out <laughs> on Twitter, too. I got some love from the community, too. I got like 10 likes. I was cracking up. <laughs> so anyway, you know, this this pass, I I don't disagree with this entire play. It was it was a good, well thought out play. It was the ending that made it ridiculous. And you can't fault Hecker. You can't fault the the play call. You only fault Reynolds here. And honestly, if I if I'm if I'm Sean McVay at this point, I'm going to have a serious talk with this guy and be like, you know what, man, we have guys not only on this roster that consistently perform, but we have guys on the practice squad that are itching to make this roster. And you pull this stunt and I get it. You know, it wasn't exactly a simple play either, but it wasn't, the fact that he missed the catch it was the effort he didn't even bother to turn around it was like you you gotta you gotta turn around at least man that that was just that was just bad all around bad he did everything that he shouldn't have done on that play and that's why in in my opinion if if McVeigh doesn't talk to him, then they should outright cut him because that's that's not okay. You you can't give that type of effort on a on a team of really good players. Right, and if he dropped it, I think it would. I I'm saying this in hindsight. I think we would have been happier about it because he would have been in the right position. I know it's a it's a tricky play, but he was running a fly route. He's running a go, whatever you call it, a straight for <laughs> for our friends that didn't play football. Um, like it's not a tough route if you beat your guy, which he did. And see, he's route in football. You just run, you run, and it like it didn't get deflected. It he just wasn't in the right position to get it. And even if if he was in the right position and lost a jump ball, and the Vikings got it, we would have been better off. We would have been a pick. If you know, it's just you got to put yourself in the right position, and those opportunities don't come. And I think Reynolds given he hasn't had many opportunities, the ones he's gotten haven't been impressive. But now, you mentioned there's no fault on the play calling, and I'd say there's a little, but it's such a complex issue because I don't think they should have really punted. I would have rather seen that than a punt. I maybe would have rather seen a field goal. And I'm going to look while I'm talking here because I do want to know what the what the yardage was on what that field goal would have been. Let me try and find this. That was that was the second half, right? Okay, downs. Here it is. So they were at the Minnesota 36. So 53-yard field goal. If you don't have any faith that your kicker can make a 53-yard field goal, why do you have him on the team? Why, do you, why even have him? I mean – like I, I know they have a relationship with him, but it's also like, it, let me give an example, and this is probably a bad example, but it's like, let's say, knock on wood here, and Goff gets hurt, and Sean Mannion's in, and someone's uh. like, well, why don't we bring in Colin Kaepernick? Off the field issues aside, 
Um, and you say, well, Manny knows the system. Kaepernick hasn't played in it over a year. Why would we mess it up? Even if he might be slightly better, he doesn't know the system. He'll be on a learning curve. He's rusty. Well, kickers don't have systems. So I don't care what system we have with Sam Ficken, who also missed a 28-yarder. If you don't have any confidence in him, you're more confident in Johnny Hecker connecting on a 50-yard pass with Josh Reynolds than you are on Sam Ficken kicking a 53-yard field goal. Why is he the kicker? Why why even have him on the team if you don't if you only trust him for chip shots? We there are plenty of unemployed kickers out there that you can trust for chip shots. And as we learned tonight, we can't even trust him for chip shots. I I don't get it. I I'll go ahead and answer that for you, uh, Steve. What the ficking are you thinking? <laughs> All that uh, I'm sorry, I throw that cool. in there. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I had to throw that one in there. I'm all right, in serious... funds. <laughs> I on a serious note though, I can understand here because I think what it is is we are so spoiled with uh with Greg Deleg. I mean, this is a guy that you you put him out there at a fifty three yarder and, and he's almost money. You know, and a guy like Ficken you know, fifty a fifty yard field goal isn't an easy make, and I I'm I'm kind of with McVeigh on this one. I'm not confident in Ficken to make a fifty three yard field goal, and I think that the thought process with keeping Ficken on the team is well, for one thing, kickoffs, and for another thing, I think that they would have rolled the dice with Ficken had it been a little bit closer maybe like a 45-yard field goal attempt. Of course, he didn't make, like you said, the chip shot later on, but um, that's beside the point. It's at the, it's kind of at the point now where maybe the Rams do kind of evaluate what they have with Ficken and just see what other options are out there. But then again, is that even worth it either? Because Zerloin is going to be back in what, like, two weeks from now if i'm not mistaken i think that was the estimate and you're right it's i don't think they'll make a move it's probably not worth it um i know a 53 yarders no chip shot but i there's not many teams if any in the league that like would have no vote of confidence in their kicker making that and maybe it's more of a comp uh a confidence in hecker and bones in the special teams but if if Let's say Zerline suffers a setback and is out for the year. Would you want the Rams to like try out kickers next week immediately? Because yeah. I feel like I would. Steve, you could kick a field goal, right? Uh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I can long snap a little bit. Third stringer in high school, no big deal, long snapper. But uh, I was not on the kicker depth chart or even remotely close. It's okay. I'd take McQuaid over you anyway. But... <laughs> I, I would too. <laughs> no, the, um, no, but on a serious note, if it, if if uh, if Zerloin was out for the season, yeah, I, I would take a serious look into trying to find a you know a better replacement over Ficken because he, he's fine for a temporary solution for the next you know couple weeks, but you know for a long term solution, he's not our guy it's it's really obvious at this point it he's not our guy yeah i'd like to see a different camp kicker next year 
Uh, no disrespect to Pickin. Uh, I was on the record saying he's fine. He he let me down a little tonight, and I think the coaches kind of showed a vote of no confidence in him too. But there was one more special teams I wanted to play I wanted to talk about, and that was late in the fourth quarter when the Rams had their, their third three and out of the freaking season. Uh, they had more. The Rams had more three and outs tonight than they did in their previous um, three games combined. They had two three and outs. So just to put it in perspective, how dominant this offense has been, and the defense has been good, but I wouldn't say they're like turnover machines. The Rams are having a lot of normal drives. Johnny, uh, they they did that hard count, and it didn't work, and they had to take a timeout. And at their own thirty-four. Hacker gets a 32-yard punt. Really out of character for him. Are you... I don't know. Like, do you think that... Are you going to give a pass? Or do you think, like, not punting at all might kind of have a negative effect on his performance because he's just, like, never... You know, he's never getting loose. He's never punting. He punts, what, twice a game tops? I mean, is there... I, I don't think I have any concern, but I feel like we should talk about this because it was... Probably the um, ugly, maybe the ugliest play of the game besides that picking kick. Uh, you know, in terms of Hecker, was it a pretty punt? Absolutely not. It was probably one of the worst of his career. But am I that concerned? Not really, because the other three games, the little that we have seen of Hecker, have been the same Hecker that we all know and love. So I'm not that concerned about it, but I will say that there is some truth to what you're saying. I think that it is kind of one of those things where, you know, if Hecker isn't punting constantly like he was with the terrible Rams offense under Fisher ball, then, you know, he isn't, you know, consistently putting. He isn't, you know, getting those much needed punts to, you know, get get in within the the 20 yard line. So, you know, sometimes actually with, with, with Hecker, it was more like within the five yard line, but no, I'm not all that concerned. And, and even, even with, with that ugly punt, it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, they were still able to, you know, still keep the Vikings at bay enough to, you know, win the game. So I'm not all that concerned. Yeah, it was, it was definitely his worst game of the year. And I, I agree. I'm not concerned. Everyone has bad games. Maybe he was hungover or something. Who knows? Uh, yay game, <laughs> Thursday, weird vibes. I don't know what the man does on Wednesday nights, but uh, his second punt only went – or his first punt, I should say, only went 39 yards. Uh, didn't affect – wasn't as drastic. Didn't really affect the team. But also, all of one passing, got to mention. Not a great day for Heck. <laughs> uh, not his fault, though. We already discussed that. Uh we talk about player of the game on this podcast. I know Derek and Norm do it when they do the post game. Do we even have to? I mean, is who else but Goff after this game? Like, I don't even think I, you could make a case for Cup, maybe, but it's got to be Goff. Yeah, Goff had an okay game. <laughs> Just all right. Yeah, he could do better. Yeah, maybe six. Yeah. Maybe six touchdowns next week. You bum. Come on. Five, I want five hundred and six. I don't want four hundred and five. Why didn't he get 500? Man, why didn't he get it? He was close to getting six touchdowns, though. Man, that would have that would have been wild. But, that would have made me extremely happy since he's on my fantasy team. You know, I lucked out in um, 
unfortunately the only league I got Goff in it's in my dynasty league so I get get him every year get him for the rest of his career Cam Newton had a bye week so I had to play him I probably wouldn't have played him and it definitely went well so thank you Jared from your fantasy owners from the Rams fans last question I have here Johnny who do you think the best team in football is right now can I say can can you make this a multiple choice answer for me (laughs) Um, the Los Angeles Rams, the Los Angeles Rams of Anaheim. Or, oh God, no! <laughs> um, I don't know. Okay, let's name all the, <laughs> the undefeated. This just makes me laugh. Here are the three undefeated teams: the Rams, the Chiefs, and the Dolphins of Miami. Who would you say is the best team in football right now? I'm gonna go E, the LA Rams. <laughs> I agree. Uh, the Chiefs are good though, but I don't, I don't think it's comparable defensively. Um, I'll give the Dolphins some credit, man. If they get a win over the Patriots this week, we have to start taking them seriously. Titans are okay; they got to win over them, win over the Jets, win over the Raiders. I mean, we got to win over the Raiders. Doesn't really mean much. Uh, but yeah, man, good for the Dolphins. But I think we are the best team. All right. Hey, what anything you're looking forward to in regular football this Sunday? Uh, well, I'm going to be looking at my fantasy team, you know, since my real team is, uh, you know, counting the W's already. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, there are some good matchups out there. I, I am intrigued to see what the Dolphins do to see if they're for real or not. But then again, I don't think this is the same Patriots team we've all come to know and hate. So, uh, you know, keeping my eyes on the NFC West, you know, uh, what's left of it anyway. You know, the 49ers, see how they they can actually play without Garoppolo. Um, yeah, the Seahawks, see if they can get a win. The Cardinals, see if they can get a win. NFC West actually isn't looking too good. No. With the exception of the Rams. We're going to run away with the division, man. None of, these, none of these teams are good. San Francisco... Probably wouldn't have been too much in the mix, but would have been kind of in the mix. Uh, there sucks for them. I know a lot of people were so anti Jimmy G this year, but this just sucks, man. Would have been nice to see him out there. Would have been nice to see McKinnon. Would have been nice to have some competition, but we don't with them. Three things I'm looking for, and as a fantasy guy from fantasy perspective, I want to see Josh Gordon on the field with Tom Brady. We've been dying for it. I want to see David Johnson against a not good defense in Seattle and see if with Josh Rosen at quarterback, maybe he could do something. And I want to see Fitzpatrick, who we mentioned, against the Bears defense. Because if he if if he throws for 400 yards again, he has to be your quarterback for probably the rest of the year. Like, no matter what you think of Jameis, man, I, it's that is a situation I'm really interested to see how it plays out. It's so weird. That every like three years, Ryan Fitzpatrick starts a quarterback controversy, and then he's going to end up making a boatload of money because of it. I'm sure. <laughs> Fitz, Fitz magic, as long man. as he passes the Evans, I agree. As an Evans owner, all right, we're going to wrap this up here. Anyone listening live, thank you for tuning in. Uh, anyone listening not live, also thank you for tuning in. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams. I was tweeting from the account tonight. Uh, it was a lot of fun. You guys gave me a lot of love on those likes. I appreciated it. Uh, and if you had fun with me, you can follow me at Steve Ribeiro. 
Uh, if you want to follow Johnny's dormant account, you can follow at Johnny five, not six. You could like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rams talk. If you want to join the Rams talk room where you can talk to Johnny, uh, look for an invite on there or message one of us or message me on Twitter and I'll get you a link to that. I'll add you to the group. If you like our podcast, five stars on iTunes, please. We are slowly going towards 100 iTunes reviews, five stars. And if you put in a review, you'll enter yourself to win a $50 NFLshop.com gift card. Also follow us on Spreaker, our new place. Let us know what you think of it. Uh, we've, according to Derek, the audio quality has improved. I think I like it. Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM, and IE Beat Radio. Johnny, before we go, I got to ask, was today the first time you heard the theme song to our show? No. No, it wasn't. Nice. I was genuinely curious about that. <laughs> well, you're going to hear it again. So, uh, yep, that's, <laughs> that's the end of the show. Johnny, talk to you later, man. Everyone else, thanks for tuning in, and we'll play you out with our theme. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Get really into your favorite shows and movies all in one place with Flex, a 4K streaming box you get free with Xfinity Internet. And get Peacock Premium at no additional cost. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash Flex. Restrictions apply requires postpaid Xfinity Internet excluding Internet essentials. One device included.